What Miss Bethany just shared is such incredible good news for us. That you and I, we get to be a part of God's incredible family. And for me, sometimes it's hard to fathom that what began, at least in our worldly knowledge, with a little bitty baby in Bethlehem, born to humble parents, that this baby has the authority, the ability, the power, the desire to make us part of God's family. But that is exactly what Jesus does for us. When we believe in Him, when we receive Him, when we trust in Him, when we have Him, He makes us part of His family. John writes in his Gospel this morning in verse 12, but to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gives the right to become children of God. And today I brought one of the many toys from my office Um, I I really enjoy things up there in my office. You might come up and you find a plunger. It's clean and never used. Uh, One of those uh, Jack Sparrow doll, if you like Jack Sparrow. Uh, A big fluffy Citadel hat from the, what's the guard? The uh, Summerall guard. I have one of those. Uh, But one of my favorites, and you see him periodically in my sermons, is my plastic Jesus. And I brought him today because he is my favorite. And he's partly my favorite because he has a song. I don't care if it rain or freezes, as long as I have my plastic Jesus riding on the (laughs) dashboard of my car. (laughs) Through all trials and tribulations, we will travel every nation. With my plastic Jesus, I'll go far. (laughs) Thank you, I'll be here all week. Um, I brought plastic Jesus to remind us of this. While Jesus is not a toy, he is something that can be possessed. He can be had. He's not just meant to ride on the dashboard of your car or on the corner of your desk, perhaps tucked away in the family Bible on the shelf. He's not intended to be, uh, to be visited once a week during uh, Sunday morning, during certain hours, you know, between uh, 10.30 and noon. I know some of you would like to be like, hey, maybe 10.30 to 11.30, that'd be great. Um, uh, no, John writes this about Jesus. He says this, that the Word became flesh. The Word, that's Jesus in this poetic opening to the Gospel. The Word, the one who is with God from the very beginning, who is God, Jesus became flesh and He dwelt among us. He came to make his home with you and with me. And it's true. This is true about the song, the silly song about plastic Jesus. With the real Jesus, through every trial and tribulation, despite it, you will, in fact, go far. How far will you go? Well, you'll go into the very living room of God. When you take possession of Jesus, when you receive Him, He gives you the right to become God's son or God's daughter. And as a member of His family, Jesus brings you in, your brother brings you in 
to the very throne room of God, to his living room. And you have the right now as children of God to enter into God's house, to be a part of his family, to come and go, to climb up in his lap, to be loved by him in a way that you've never known before. You are a member, if you are in Christ, if you have Christ, you are a member of God's family. You see, Jesus wants to make his home with you. More and more, day by day. We see this often in marriage. There's an image. um, I've shared it with couples during premarital counseling. It was shared with us when we were planning to be married. Marriage is about moving from independence to interdependence. From doing things on our own in various success, with various success to being dependent on Christ, who is always successful, who is always loving, who is always perfect. In marriage, we are partners with one another and serve one another, perhaps. You know this if you've been married. Living in relationship. And that's similar to what Jesus does for us. After you receive Him, you move, uh, you you live with Him, you, you speak with Him, you learn from Him, you are transformed by Him in your daily life. And as you're a part of God's family, you become more dependent on Him day by day. It's a process that takes some time. At least that's my own experience. It might be yours as well. Becoming a part, being a part of his family becomes more beneficial to me the longer I am a part of his family. Now I want to just ask a question this morning. What's the nature of God's family? Well, first of all, it's a family that's initiated by God. John writes this sentence that we heard a few minutes ago. But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, in this world, we're born often by our parents' desire to have children. Made a decision. The laws of, 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 of our human bodies Say that when parents have relationships, that children will be born. But what happens with our spiritual father is that he made it his will. His will was for you and I to be part of his family. The reason you can be born of God is because God desires you. Friends, it is God's will. It is his desire that you would be his children. He wants you to be a part of his family. I don't know about you, but that speaks powerfully to me. Maybe it does to you. The world often for me has drowned me or tried to drown me in performance-based affection. I'll love you if you do this. Performance-based love, transactional things, right? If you do this, I'll do this. The world passes judgment on, on the on appearances and upon possessions, upon finances. The world says that you are in good shape if you have a big, flush 401k. Or you're in the in crowd if you have an iPhone. I learned this weekend that a Samsung will not do. Uh, well, over Christmas, a Samsung is not enough, friends. You've got to have an iPhone. It doesn't matter what generation. i got an iPhone 1. I'm in. 
Uh, See, into this world of performance and possession and identity and image and all of this stuff, God enters in through His Son and He acts on your behalf. It doesn't matter who you are or what you have. Ultimately, it doesn't even matter what you've done. God says, my will is that Stephanie would be my daughter. My will is that Bob would be my son. My will is that Kenan would know me and be my child. That's God's will. Just insert your name. He wants you to be with Him forever. And there's nothing that will prevent you from doing that, save one thing, if you don't receive Jesus. God has made it happen. Perhaps you're lonely or isolated, you're depressed. God says, I sent my son for you. Or you're poor and needy. He says, I'm going to give you a treasure so rich, you won't even believe it. He says, you've sinned, you've covered yourself in mess and mire. You have blood on your hands, so to speak, and your clothes. He says, I'll forgive that if you would simply believe in me and trust in me. And that's the second thing about God's family. The first is that God initiates it. The second thing is that you can have it by, his, by faith. He says that you can have it. Verse 12, which I've read, is basically a description of faith. Here's Jesus. He's in the... He's here. He wants you to know Him. He says, if you receive Him, believe Him, you can have that right to become children. My children. It's, it, that's the definition of faith. Believe what God's done or receive it. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 10, he says, the word of faith is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. Basically, it's this. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God, that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you receive him, if you believe him, salvation is yours. You know what, though? It's a little bit more than simply that. It's a little more than just salvation, the forgiveness of sins. To be certain, sin is often our problem. It is our problem. And Jesus will deal with it by dying on the cross and rising again to new life. And by faith, we are forgiven. But maybe this morning, it's more than that. Perhaps you've entered into this day wondering if there's even hope. When the Gospel of John was written, likely there at the end of the first century, there was a significant need for hope for people to believe that God had in fact acted. Forty or so years after Jesus' death, the question of Jesus' relevance was quite significant. It's even more so today. We ask the question, is Jesus relevant? Does He have anything for me? Can He save me? Can He right the injustice that I'm experiencing in the world or that I see in the world? Does He care about my sadness? Does He care that I'm broken? Would He come to me now? Friends, the answer is yes. John writes, in Jesus was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
Friends, Jesus is the light. In him is life. And this light, life is the light for every one of us. He makes life available to every human being. He makes life available to you. He will make life available to you today. John says that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light, friends, Jesus continues to shine on December 29th, 2019. The underlying Greek word here, uh, uh, the part of speech, is a continuous ongoing action. It's present tense. It's that God is still shining his light through Jesus today. The light of Christ continues to shine to the disciples 40 years after uh, the fact, after Jesus has risen and ascended into the heavens. They're waiting for his return. The temple's been destroyed. Hope is lost, right? It sounds like it's a Star Wars movie, right? Hope is lost. But the light continues to shine. And then this great admission by John, it's a promise to us who will follow him even through the dark places of, the li- of our lives. The darkness has not overcome the light. I don't know if you've ever been worn out. One thing after another after another, waiting for one more shoe to drop, one more emotion to br- break, one more relationship to fail. You felt that way. It feels like everything is becoming dark. And what the Bible says, what Jesus says, what God says, is that the light has come into the world and the darkness has not and will not ever overcome it. Evil, brokenness, sadness, darkness never wins. Not a single thing you experience will be, will be overcome by the darkness. Everything that you experience will be overcome by Jesus' light. When you receive him, when you believe in him, you will be saved. But it's this thing that we can do today. It's a form of active invitation to God that we get to make. We get to say this to Jesus, uh, hey, I have these places, Lord. They look really dark. They are really dark, actually. And the invitation that you can actively make is saying, Jesus, will you shine your light into this place and bring forth the life you promised? He makes light and life available to every person. He wants you to be part of his family. He wants you to experience grace upon grace. That's what John says. Now, being a part of God's family is incredible. I love this morning for this reason. All of us are gathered together. All different flavors of Holy Cross. The family service, the 11 o'clock traditional, the 9 o'clock, maybe a few 8 o'clockers out there. We get to see in us his glory the glory of the Son of God. And I wonder this morning, I wonder if this coming year, do you want to see God's glory? Do you want to see His glory? Would you like Him to shine brightly into all those places? I do. So what do we do? Well, if there's a place that you need the light of Christ, then I invite you in this coming year to walk with us as a church. Sunday by Sunday in sermons, Weekly, but in our life groups, we'll be concentrating on seeing Jesus clearly 
in 2020. And I think the one thing that is particularly challenging when we are in the challenging spots of our life is to be able to continue to see Jesus, right? And it's really hard if we just put him on the dashboard of the car or we put him on the shelf or he's in the Bible sitting on the bedside table with a little bit of dust on that. I'm just being honest. I've had this happen. I have a lot of different Bibles, but every now and then I look at one, I'm like, have I let this thing, this word of God, this word of life get a little rusty? Throughout every week, we're going to uh, go to God's word. We're going to let him speak to us as his people that we might discover what life to the full is really like. To discover that we are made part of his family and that he brings life to us and we can discover and live his promises fully. Because when we see Jesus clearly, when we see him fully, we receive grace over grace. That's what John writes. There's so much more than you've ever experienced to the grace of God. And he wants you to know it all. He wants you to experience it more and more. If you will receive him, if you'll believe in him, if you will ask him, he will give you more. Let us pray. Father, I do thank you for your word. I thank you that you are the light and life to us. And I thank you most of all that you do not let darkness overcome us. That darkness did not overcome you. Lord, we pray that you would enter in, that you would invite us in, that we would enter into uh, your, uh, your word and find the fullness of life in you. In Jesus' name, amen.